Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, I want to continue our series this morning on I Love My Church. (laughs) I see a couple shirts on. If you haven't got your I Love My Church shirt, wristband, or yard sign, make sure you do that. I don't know what our supplies look like, but, but make sure that you get those if you haven't already. Today after service, we have our Celebration Sunday meal and, and business meeting and such. Please make sure that you come. Uh, it, we don't, you know, if you have a bad taste in your mouth or bad idea or horrible expectation of business meetings, that's not how we do things. We rejoice over all that God's done, and we have a lot to rejoice about in 2015. So I want to encourage you to be there, members and non-members alike. If you're not a member, you can come on out. You can't vote, but you can come out and eat with us and fellowship with us. And uh, there's child care, so it's going, to be a, it's going to be a great afternoon of uh, all that God has. I have some uh, exciting news. Tony, Tony Sloan and uh, myself and others have some exciting news to share, so make sure that you, you want to come out and hear that great news. And then also, if you have not already done so, I know the offering plates have already passed, uh, but if you're a guest, make sure you fill this out, drop it off at the information desk, the Connect card, and then if you're a regular and you didn't drop it off yet or put it in the offering plate, you can always put these in the offering box and we'll get them from there. But uh, cleansing streams tonight, Easter lilies, I think this is the last week to get your Easter lilies purchased, so if you've not gotten an Easter lily, you want to do that. And uh, you know what, can we go ahead and show, before I preach, can we show the Miracle Weekend video? I just want you all to get a glimpse of what's coming up at the end of April. more for you. Even this morning, it's not a bad accident you came to church. Not at all. God has something for you. Something better. Something better. Something greater. Amen? You don't want to miss that. That's the last weekend of April. Uh, it's, a th- it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Friday night is going to be a night of worship. Uh, Saturday's the Miracle Crusade. Bring somebody who needs healing. Bring someone who needs breakthrough, restoration. It's going to be powerful. Uh, Egan and his wife, Hannah, are from uh, the Netherlands, Finland, somewhere over there. Dutch. They're Dutch. But uh, anyway, they're great people, and uh, you're going to love them. They're missionaries in Tanzania, and they have uh, crusades of hundreds of thousands. You saw a couple of those pictures, but you, you will not want to miss that. They, 
they have all sorts of stories. <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be a great time. Easter's coming up. Make sure you bring someone to Easter, our Easter outreach. Make sure you get all those details in the bulletin. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to continue our series this morning on loving, <coughs> loving our church by love by serving, love through serving. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. And it begins to go on and list all of these gifts that are given by the Spirit of God. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we see here, each of us have been given spiritual gifts from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but we all have our superheroes that we all love, probably have grown up with. One of my favorite superheroes is Spider-Man. I won't uh, take the time. I was going to show the video clip, but we don't have time now. But how many of you remember Aunt May's famous quote from Spider-Man? We all love heroes. You know, she goes on talking about the power of heroes. Well, I believe that resident, as she says, on the inside of every one of us is a hero. And I don't think that hero is us. I don't think that we have anything supernatural in our own ability to bring to the table. The hero that's resident on the inside of each of us is God himself. That's what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Romans chapter 8, we sang about it earlier. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. We have resurrection power. We have the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. And so today we're going to take a look at these spiritual gifts that are spiritually empowered, spiritually dispersed by God in our lives. A couple things to remember about spiritual gifts. One, you don't get to pick your gifts. Isn't that what Corinthians says? Paul wrote, he said, they're given by the Spirit of God. That our, our spiritual gifts are given by God Himself. And so I would say to you this, that don't get aggravated if you're not operating in the gifts that you think you ought to be operating in. Maybe you should say, well, Lord, I want to earnestly seek and earnestly desire the gifts of heaven. And then secondly, this, they are Spirit-empowered gifts. Yeah. 
And so for them to operate in your life, they have to be spirit-led, spirit-empowered. It's not something that you can do in your own strength. Now, each of us are given talents and abilities and, and strengths. Uh, some of you may be a teacher. Let's use this for example. You might be a teacher. You might have a talent or an ability from God to teach. But you might have a spiritual gift, a supernatural gift of wisdom that operates with that gift of teaching. And so all of a sudden, as you're teaching and you're expounding on truth, God gives you a word of wisdom that takes what you're teaching and makes it real and alive for that person that you're teaching in that moment. It becomes supernatural. It's a supernatural gift. They're superhuman gifts, if you will. They're the Spider-Man kind of gifts, if you will. They're the God kind of gifts that are deposited in our lives by God Himself. The other thing we have to recognize about this, if we're spirit-empowered gifts, if we have gift from, gifts from the Lord that are spirit-empowered, we need to learn how to cooperate with who? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> this isn't a trick question. If, if the Holy Spirit gives you a gift, then you have to learn how to cooperate with the person who gave you the gift so you know how to use the gift. You can receive a gift from God in a moment of time, but it takes a lifetime to steward that gift. It takes a lifetime to have the character to sustain that gift. Maybe you've seen people who, who have operated in spiritual gifts, but their character was off. And they find themselves in compromising situations. And you step back and you take a look at those people and you think, man, I really admire them. I really respected them. But how can this be? How can they operate in a spiritual gift? And yet, let me un help you understand, spiritual gifts and fruit of the Spirit are totally different things. And so you have to have the fruit or the character of the Holy Spirit to sustain the gift that God's deposited into your life. I want to give you, and, and hopefully the media has these as well, uh, they have my notes, hopefully they can follow along with me here, but I want to give you, this is an addition that I gave them this morning, uh, I want to give you some myths about spiritual gifts. Maybe you've believed some of these myths, or maybe you've heard some of them, but I want to walk through a couple of these myths. Number one, only ordained pastors or super saints have spiritual gifts. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe you've been in that place where, where you look at the pastor and you say, well, the, the man of God is the only one who can operate in spiritual gifts. No, the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians, to each is given. Every member of the body has an opportunity with God to flow in spiritual gifts. Each one of us have the opportunity to work and cooperate with God and allow Him to use us in a supernatural way. Number two, spiritual gifts designate offices or authenticate offices. Now, sometimes we look at people who operate in spiritual gifts and think because uh, they operate in spiritual gifts, then uh, you know they must be a pastor. When we say offices, we, we're talking about the fivefold, a pastor, prophet, teacher. Well, because they have a gift of prophecy, they must be a prophet. No, that's not necessarily true. You can operate in the gift of prophecy, but that doesn't mean that you have the gift ordained by God as part of His government in the church to be a prophet. There's a distinct difference. Many people who operate in a gift of prophecy, it, it becomes a an occasional use or specified use gift where a prophet, that is the mantle of their life. Just like I get up and preach, a prophet's going to get up and prophesy. It's part of their DNA. It's who they are. It's the mantle of God on their life. Does that make sense? Number three, when you are born again, you get all the gifts you need. That's a myth. 
Paul tells us we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so there, there are gifts that are given, but there's more. Have you heard that before? There's more. There's always more in God. There is, if you think that you've experienced all there is to God, He is an eternal God. You can't. There's no way. It's impossible that you can experience everything there is of God. So keep diving in. Keep drinking. Keep receiving from the Lord. Number five. Sorry, number four. Spiritual gifts display the sovereignty of God. This is a truth. Spiritual gifts display the sovereignty of God. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit determines who gets what gift. And so we earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We earnestly seek after God. But the Holy Spirit's the one that determines what gifts get deposited in our lives. Number five, spiritual gifts. This is a myth. Spiritual gifts should cease to work if people abuse them. We see this, I just talked earlier about character issues. We see this actually with the Corinthian church. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and giving them some direction when it comes to spiritual gifts. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't want you to be unlearned, untaught, uneducated about these things. I want you to know why. Now, a lot of times, let me just pause and give you the, the 50,000 foot view here of this uh, Corinthian letter. Paul's writing to them because they are overly zealous in the use of their spiritual gifts. They're, they're using all of them all at the same time. There's no order. And Paul doesn't write to them and say, stop it. If you go through and you read Corinthians, nowhere does he say, stop using spiritual gifts. And a lot of times that's what the modern church is doing. They, they're, they're saying, stop using spiritual gifts because we don't want to get out of control. There's a fear. It's a, it's a decision motivated by fear and not understanding of Scripture. And so instead of pastoring and teaching people through it, let's just shut it down and there's no opportunity for, for the Holy Spirit to edify His church. That's what the point of the gifts are. We'll see in a moment. But, but regardless of that, Paul doesn't write and say, stop. He actually says, earnestly desire. That word earnestly means to passionately pursue spiritual gifts. So to the church that we often say, well, they were just doing it all wrong and we just need to shut it all down. Paul actually told them, keep seeking, keep doing. He says, in other words, don't stop doing what you're doing, but do it right. Do what you're doing, but do it right. Don't stop using, don't stop operating in spiritual gifts. But when you do it, do it right. Do it biblically. Now, let me pause on this note here. A lot of times we say, well, God has to do it just like this. This is, well, I'm jumping ahead to one of my myths. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip my notes here if I do that, if I go down that path. Number, number six, spiritual gifts aren't necessary now that we have the Bible. A myth. You know, there's, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of uh, thought that, that the spiritual gifts and all of the miracles and things that happened in the New Testament ceased with the New Testament writers. If that, were the, if that were the case, now let's just pause for a moment and think about this. If miracles were essential when Jesus was on earth, how much more are they essential when He's not? <laughs> and then to say, Jesus said, greater things than these will you do. Uh, and then He adds in His departing statement, Go and do likewise. I'm with you. You'll, you will have these signs and wonders follow you. And so why, why would we believe the entirety of the New Testament is for us today except for that portion? 
Why would we, you know, this happens in China. They, uh, the pastors in China, and, and it happens in America. We're just not quite as vocal about it. But in China, they're very vocal about it. If you're part of the registered church, you can't preach the book of Acts. They rip it out of their Bible. You can't preach the book of Acts because it's, it's radical. And it'll, it, they know that the book of Acts, if you taught the principles and things that are found in Acts, it'll change, it'll change things. So if you're a registered church with the government in China, you can't preach the book of Acts. And we do the same thing in America. We just don't say it. We just don't preach it. We don't touch it. We don't want to go there. Uh, the, you know, that's, that passed away or that's a little uncomfortable. Number seven, spiritual gifts always operate at the same intensity or accuracy. Again, it takes a lifetime to steward a gift. I, I remember there were times when I was learning how to operate in certain spiritual gifts that I would hear bits and pieces from God and I would have to go back and say, Lord, help me understand this. I don't fully understand what I'm getting ready to say to someone. And so I need you to show me in your word, what does this mean? And so we always go to the scripture. We always find in scripture what God is speaking to us through spiritual gifts and what he's doing through spiritual gifts. Number eight, the more spectacular the gift, the more spiritual the person. <laughs> well, that person's really holy because they operate in the gift of miracles. That person must be really spiritual. I had someone come up to me one time and they said, you must pray a lot in tongues. And I thought, okay, well, that's an odd statement, but okay. I said, well, I, I mean, I really hadn't thought about it, but okay. Why do you say that? Well, just because, just to see you minister, you must, you must spend a lot of time in prayer. And I thought, I didn't make this happen. My, my, the amount of time that I spend in prayer is not proportional to what God does in a service or doesn't do. My job in service as a pastor is learn to step in and yield. I can't make or not make something happen. Of course, I believe in prayer. And yes, I need to hear from God. And that's, that's yielding to God. It's learning to yield to God, not me make something happen because I prayed in tongues for two hours. Make sense? And number nine, and this is what I was speaking of earlier, God is limited to the gifts described in the Bible. A lot of times we look at 1 Corinthians as God's blueprint of how He must operate. <laughs> well, if, there's gonna, if this is going to happen, then it has to look just like that. And we get stuck in mechanics, and we forget to remember that God is all-powerful, all-wise, and all-knowing. And at any given point, He can take somebody's gift of prophecy combined with their ability to teach, combined with another gift or talent in their life, and He paints a beautiful, beautiful picture with it. And it looks absolutely different than anything that you and I could describe. I remember, for example, Heather and I were in a service one time, and there was a pastor there from Texas, and, and <laughs> I can think, of, I've just had multiple stories flash through my mind about pastors from Texas. Anyway, um, but we had, we had this pastor from Texas in, and him and his wife were going through laying hands on people. And I've never seen this happen before or since, but it was powerful. His wife would step up in front of someone, and she would pray in tongues. 
And he would interpret, and it was a prophecy for that person. And it happened. Every person they stepped in front of, she would, pro- she would pray out in a tongue, and he would interpret, and it was a prophecy. Yeah, it was, and it was always different. It was never the same dialect. It was always a different dialect for every person. I've never seen anything like it before or since. But that was the gift, and it was a unique blend of their marriage and what God was doing in and through their ministry. But... Because Paul didn't say the husband will interpret what the wife says. Well, the husband does have to interpret what the wife says. But (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along. Three ways to discover your spiritual gift. I'm glad I'm staying here today. Three ways to discover the gifts that God's given you. Number one, just begin to serve. Find a place to serve. Place a demand on the anointing. What has God deposited in your life? Remember we did a whole series on the anointing. The anointing is God's power to get the job done. It's the equipment to get the job done. So God has anointed you for a specific task. Sometimes you don't know what it is, and so you just have to start somewhere. Just maybe it's children's ministry. We always have opportunities in children's ministry. Maybe you want to go and love on these kids or getting touched by God and help them understand what God's doing in their life. And how awesome is that? And you might get back there and you find out, I am not gifted to work with children. (laughs) Just give me a puppet and I'll hide behind the stage, you know. I do not want to work with kids. And, And that's okay. You begin to find your place. We call it here the volunteer pipeline. You got to get into the pipeline. You got to find your place. And you might find yourself going through the pipeline down children's ministry and realize I've hit a proverbial clog in the pipe. I am not doing this. And you get out of the pipe and you go into another pipe and you find yourself serving maybe in in Night of Hope and, and helping with an area of Night of Hope or wherever. You find your place and begin to see God's gifts that He's deposited in your life. You begin to place a demand on those and see those flourish. All of a sudden when you're ministering to the kids, God speaks to you and you, you see little little Johnny and you don't know anything about Johnny's life. He's just he's a new kid that's come in and God speaks to you a word of encouragement for him. And and you begin to speak to him about the love of God and what God has for his life. And you never know that one moment I'll I'll never forget in my own life when I was in I'll never forget children's church when I was a little kid being nostalgic. Now seriously, I was in I was in kids church, children's church and I remember one of our teachers She stopped and she came over and she prophesied over me as a little kid. I was probably no more than eight or nine years old and she prophesied over me about the call of God on my life. And it was, I I still remember that. I can still go back to that person today and say to her, this is what God spoke to you through, spoke to me through you. And I remember that. It impacted my life. Uh, Veronica here, you know, um, Wednesday night, you know, God through prophecy, spoke about, or word of knowledge, spoke about what her experience was and what God was speaking to her and so, from a child. So you never know those simple little moments, what seems absolutely simple to you, as you place a demand on the anointing, God will do incredible things in and through your life. Now, practically speaking, we're getting ready to start a series on Wednesday nights called Activate. 
If you want to know how to begin or where to begin to activate spiritual gifts, come out on Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Number two, ask others. Sometimes people around you will recognize the spiritual gifts that are flowing out of your life before you do. There, was, there have been times where I'm where God, you know, I've been in public places and, and God will speak to me and give me a word and, or even in church and I'll have Heather or people who know me say, did God just speak to you a word for that person or God speak to you about doing something? Because they know me and they see the expression on my face. They, I had one guy tell me one time, when, you, when the anointing comes on you to minister, you walk differently. And that's how he could recognize what spiritual gift was operating in my life by how I walked. I know that's, that seems silly, but the people around you will recognize the gifts that are flowing out of your life and the effect of Jesus in your life. And so ask them, ask people around you, hey, what do you see flowing out of me? When you see Jesus ministering through me, what do you see? What's coming out of me? And then, of course, always pray about it. Ask God. God, what gifts have you deposited in my life? What spiritual gifts are lying dormant in my life that I need to activate? Sometimes we know the answer to that. A lot of times we know the answer to that because we've heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go lay hands on that sick person. And you say, no. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Because we're afraid of what our peers are going to think about us. Or we're, we're afraid if we lose control of our emotions. Like Joanna was talking about. She was afraid that she was going to lose control of her emotions or lose control of her physical body. We, we're, we, we just lose control. Give up. <laughs> just be willing to let go and let God. Isn't that what we always say? We've got our Christianese slogans, let go, let God. Well, try that. <laughs> Try that. Let God begin to minister to you and through you. And see what God does. And then number three, how to discover your spiritual gifts. Check your response. What's your response when God begins to use you and you begin to operate in spiritual gifts? What is your response to the, to the situation? What is, are you excited about it? Or do you feel annoyed, aggravated, spiritually stopped up? It's not working. You feel conflicted. If God is operating in your life through a gift, it'll be about Him. He'll get the glory and you'll get the enjoyment from it. You'll find pleasure in doing the things that God has called you to do. You'll find pleasure and enjoyment in God in those situations. Why do we have spiritual gifts? What's the purpose of our spiritual gifts? One, your gift is given for others. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. God has deposited a spiritual gift in your life for the edification of the body. And so the opposite is true. If you're not operating in your spiritual gift, guess who's lacking? The body. We're lacking when you don't use your spiritual gift. When you're not operating in the gifts that God's given you, the body is negatively affected. Let me ask you this question. Why are you here at this church? You know, a lot of times we ask the question wrongly and we say, what can I get out of this church? But that's not why we have church. The question is, why has God placed you here? What gift has God deposited in your life that contributes to affecting our local church community and impacting our community at large? The other reason why spiritual gifts are in operation in our life is because it's a manifestation of God Himself. He is glorified by spiritual gifts. A lot of times we take this view of spiritual gifts almost like a 
deistic view, if you will. God's up in the sky, and He's deposited a gift in my life, and that's it. I'll operate in the gift. God watches. But that's not spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift in the Greek there is the word charisma. It's a manifestation of God's grace in your life. So God has deposited gifts in your life because it's a manifestation of Himself. It's God being glorified in and through your life. Amen? Now let me ask you this. What in the world does Christmas have to do with church? Now when you, God gives us gifts, He deposits spiritual gifts in our life. Have you ever on Christmas morning, ever seen a kid walk down to a Christmas tree full of presents, look at the presents and get a big smile on their face, and you know the anticipation's building, and they want to open their first gift, and you're looking at them, and then all of a sudden your kids turn and walk and go back to their bedroom and say, I want to go to sleep, leave me alone. <laughs> no, the only person that does that on Christmas morning is who? The Grinch. <laughs> maybe, maybe we have some spiritual Grinches here this morning. That God's deposited gifts in your life. And instead of being excited about what God's placed in you, you turn the other way and say, I don't want to open that. I don't, you know, that's too uncomfortable. I don't want to have to put the batteries in that thing, you know. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that. I want to find a batter, battery-less gift. I don't want to deal with that. But all of a sudden, if you begin to embrace what God's given you and you begin to steward that gift, you see God in your life. You see His glory revealed in your life. And God begins to impact those around you. He begins to change people around you. One of our slogans here in our church, or our slogan, part of our vision statement is being a center or bringing life, hope, and healing to our community. Is that what we're all about? Is that really why you're here? Is that what we're about is bringing life, hope, and healing to our community? Isn't that what God's equipped us for? He's empowered us to see our community changed. Is anybody out there this morning? Three things happen when you use your spiritual gifts. One, the community, local church, and community at large is edified. That word edified in Scripture is to build up. It's to make, make a house, build a foundation, and build a structure that lasts. So when you operate in your spiritual gift, whether it's prophecy, whether it's word of knowledge, whether it's giving, whatever it is that God's deposited in your life, it causes this church to be edified and built up, and it causes the church and the community at large to be edified and built up. Secondly, you're happified. <laughs> when you begin to use your spiritual gifts, you get happy. You find the joy of the Lord in your life. You find the pleasure of God in your life. All of a sudden, your life makes sense. You're not aimlessly wandering through Christianity without a purpose. You've now identified power, as we've talked about before, and your purpose. You're connecting the power of God, God manifest in your life, with the purpose of God in your life. All of a sudden, instead of a live, crazy wire... With, with power flowing through that has no connected to no purpose or a, or a wire that's dead that has no power but needs purpose, has a purpose. Now all of a sudden power and purpose are connected. Truth and spirit meet and God's doing something supernatural in and through your life and you're happy about it. I, one of my greatest joys, I mean, I love, I love preaching. I love, I love preaching. I love, you know, sitting down with people and counseling. I love all, the different, love all the different aspects of ministry. But my favorite, my top, my paramount, whatever, you know, 
just let me do this all day, every day, and is laying hands on people. Laying hands on people, prophesying, speaking words of knowledge. I mean, that, I, and I, I, the, I'm selfish. I do it for myself. I don't care about you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I really, I mean, I do it for myself. I, I get happy. When, when I see people get ministered to, I feel the presence of the Lord in my life and He's speaking to me and His joy's flowing in me and flowing out. There's nothing greater. I, I could do that all day long. And yes, I love seeing you blessed, but, but I get happified when God moves through my life. And then thirdly, God gets the glory. God is glorified as we operate in spiritual gifts. If you're not operating in the gifts that God's given you, you're missing an opportunity for God to get the glory in your life. Can we show the Night of Hope video? I want you to notice something about this video. Everybody in that video looks sad and depressed. <laughs> the volunteers looked like they were so discouraged. And those people that came to receive ministry, man, they, they need to seek some professional help. They look depressed. No, of course not. Everybody in that video looked happy and encouraged. Even those that were going through difficult times and, and difficult places in their life were smiling ear to ear. Why? Because all of a sudden we have connected vision with ministry. We have connected the reality of the gospel with the, uh, the, the purpose of what we're called to do. Acts 1.8. What's our vision? Acts 1.8. You shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. That's, that's what God has put His hand 
on this church for. He has called us to be empowered. First, he says, you will receive. We need to be a church that's continually receiving from God. Just because we've received salvation or we've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit 50 years ago doesn't mean that's the end of all things. No, it means we keep receiving from God on a daily basis. Paul said in Ephesians 5, be being filled. It's perfect tense. Keep on drinking. Keep on receiving. Don't stop. So we've got to receive from God, and then He empowers us. He gives us supernatural power. And why does He give us power? To minister. Power to purpose. At Night of Hope, which by the way is coming up Wednesday, uh, you know, is, is an incredible example of the purpose and power that God's displayed in our church. I want to encourage you, don't just go through Night of Hope if you volunteer and just hand out your bag of clothes or hand out your bag of groceries or walk the halls and do security, and, and that's it. Allow the spiritual gifts that God's placed within you to come out. It's a great opportunity for it. It's a great opportunity. Look at... Am I preaching or are you preaching? <laughs> She's finishing my sentences before I ever get there. Look for your one. Look for the one person. That's what we always say. Look for the one person. I'm always looking for my one person. And every, every night of hope, I have one. You know, a couple of weeks ago, or the last night of hope, I, was, I spent a lot of time with another pastor and just encouraging him. The, week, the time before that, I was here ministering to a guy who's in his 40s, who's been strung out on drugs, trying to get his life cleaned up and spent time ministering to him, just loving on him. I mean, I, we just go through and it's powerful when you begin to connect your spiritual gifts. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there talking with this guy and the Holy Spirit begins to give me words of knowledge for this guy. And I just begin to share with him. You don't have to say to someone, thus says the Lord, he shall maketh awayeth in your deserteth. And the King James Version, you give them the word of the Lord. Because God talks in King James, you know. He loved King James so much, that's where he, he just stopped, right there. <laughs> you just talk to him and say, hey, you know, I, I just sense that you're going through a difficult time and... And I just feel like the Lord says this in His Word for you. It's just encouragement to you. And you just speak. You just let it roll. Let it roll and see what God, see where He takes it. You, the person sitting there may, mm-hmm, yep, that's me, sounds good, thank you. And you pray with them and that's it. Or they might, they might have a breaking moment with God at that point. Or like Mandy, you might just be able to walk through and start laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. Who knows? Just, like, just let God be God. You lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed, they're just going to look at you and say, why'd you touch me? really not that big of a deal, right? So just trust the Lord and allow the gifts to operate in your life. Amen? It's awesome. So, you know, the other great thing about Night of Hope, and I'll just share this, about, you know, it's also a great example of care group ministry. Because every area, you know, we sat down when we started Night of Hope, and, and Mandy, I said, Mandy, I want you to come up with your leadership team. What areas of service are we going to offer? Every area needs a leader. 
You, you're the director, we're the executive directors, but you need a leadership team. And so she began to put together a leadership team. Now that team has changed over the past year. You know, it's developed and increased and changed. It's metamorphosized as it should. And within that team, each of those leaders, each have their team of people that you're a part of. Many of you are a part of those very various areas of service. And it really becomes like a small group. You know, Miss Vicki has a great uh, haircutting team. And she, she really does run haircuts like a small group. They get together before every time they start. She brings bottled water and different snacks just to be nice to her volunteers. And uh, am I making anybody want to go serve in the haircutting area? So, you know, she gets together and uh, gets her people together and they pray together before they start. She follows up on, she knows everything that's going on with every one of her haircutters, whether they show up or not. She knows if, and they don't even go to our church. 90% of her group doesn't even come to celebration. They're all from other outside areas. And so she... <laughs> you what? You're working on getting them in there. And that's awesome. That's what Night of Hope is all about. You know, we have great opportunities to minister to people, but our volunteers get ministered to as well. It's awesome. So, uh, and I'm not just trying to toot the horn of Night of Hope all the time. Night of Hope is something that we do great. We do it very successfully, and so we can learn from it. We can learn from what God is doing through Night of Hope. So connect your gifts with ministry and allow God to flow through you. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the spiritual gifts that you've deposited in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have equipped us. You've not left us powerless. Lord, when we, when we come into contact with the hurting, the broken, Lord, people in our church community that, that just need a word of encouragement or a word of assurance, Lord, that you can speak to us, Lord, that you can use us. Lord, I think about even those that Wednesday night were healed, Lord, the uh, Anita, Lord, who's been struggling with back pain and going through doctor visits, Lord, was totally healed Wednesday. I thank you for that, Jesus. And Paulette Pences, who was healed of COPD, Lord, I thank you for healing her lungs, Lord. I thank you for just how your gifts operate in your church. Lord, we thank you for the words of prophecy and knowledge and all these things. Lord, help us to take what you're doing here in our services and see it happen in daily life wherever we go. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.